Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast that explores subgenres of movies. This week's subgenre is oh, we watched a Nick Cage movie. Okay. All right. Well, yep, that's it. This week, we're reviewing Mandy from 2018, and I've got two special guests with me. How about you introduce yourselves? Okay, so hi, I'm Regina. Uh, I like to waste my life on alcohol and french fries, but as related to the podcast, I really like horror movies. All horror movies, particularly the B-shitty horror movies. And I'm Ben Pitt, and I like to waste my life writing comic book scripts that i haven't found anyone to draw yet please if you can draw hit me up please (laughs) okay all right (laughs) sick and i'm denzel you already know who it is the show again has been switched to a every other week format i would say bi-monthly or bi-weekly but both of those things mean different things simultaneously semi-monthly i think works actually i think mm-hmm. semi-monthly only means one thing so semi-monthly schedule every other yeah, week the great. show comes out and keep that in mind as you're sitting at home pondering what happened to my favorite weekly movie podcast it's now semi-monthly, semi-monthly. great thank you love ben. that yes a big big vocab fam yeah, I had to I had to go over that with a friend of mine because yeah. I was like, bi-weekly, if you put bi in front of uh, a measure of time, it's like, yo, that it's can like mean you split something. It, in yeah, half. Yeah. it means yeah. two. So like bi-weekly for most people would mean like every two weeks, but it could also mean like twice one week. Yeah. Which is exactly. absurd. It's it absurd half. and it's my favorite dumb thing about the English yeah. language. English is a very um, non-optimal language. No, it's not great. Yeah. Not yeah. great. But the world over speaks it. I can't wait until we all have to learn Mandarin and have to put subtitles on all of our videos so we know which characters we're saying out loud. Yeah. How do you think they're going to put subtitles on podcasts? Well, that's then that's when we get into that weird, awful cyberpunk future where whatever language we speak is a mix of Japanese, Mandarin and English. Great. Like uh, like the way in Firefly, everyone talks in English, but curses and Chinese. They say Goram. Yeah, that's made up. But that's it was real. I was like, oh, that's supposed to be goddamn. Yeah, but they could say it. Yeah, and they can't say goddamn on TV. Also, <laughs> in a post-apocalyptic future, like podcasts, one hundred percent are outlawed. No way. Podcasts are the only form of entertainment in like the RoboCop future, and like the real version of the RoboCop future. There is no entertainment. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm saying. If there is, it's like government mandated podcasts right, yeah, you have yeah. to listen to, so, okay, so and yes, are like automatically exist, put not, on your phone, like the yeah. YouTube album. It's like that horrible dystopian future that the WWE has painted for itself. Right. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not, but I want to hear about the it. WWE. It's the World Wrestling Entertainment, <laughs> and what they do is they put out propaganda products for themselves. So they say, "Oh, this is our real unfiltered opinion about these things." Okay, and but they literally. We also have like a sub like chapter of WWE called Raw, which is like oh that's their brand. That's the yeah, wrestling. It's show. like literally that's it. Like Raw, they're like oh it's Raw. That's no, it's not super scripted. What? What is that? Is that what that's supposed you? to mean? Oh. I thought that show was just called Raw for no reason. No, it's supposed to be like their edgy, unfiltered like. Oh, barbed wire. They're mm. literally hitting each other with the chairs. Like they're not like pretending to hit each other with the chairs. Like it's supposed to be real. 
Real uh, wrestling. Well, well I've never seen aware. WWE or Raw, but I watched that show Glow. Does that count for anything? Glow is a good show. It's so good. Yeah, I just absolutely. finished the current season. I'm like a couple weeks behind, but it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into the show. Yeah. So, as always, with new guests, I always make them answer these questions so I don't have to come up with an opening segment. And this week, it's not any different. Uh, Regina and Ben, new guests. Let's start with you, Ben. Yeah. Uh, The first question is, movie you wish you saw on release day and why? Okay, I'm going to tell a little story. Um, And it's not release day. It's actually re-release day because I was alive for this. You know, in the 90s, they re-released all the Star Wars movies in theaters, the original trilogy. I was like just born. I was like probably three. And I'd already seen the original trilogy, all of them. I I already had them all practically memorized because I grew up with that VHS like trilogy in my house. And my parents, we were visiting my grandpa who lived in uh, up by Yosemite. And my parents were like, oh, let's take the kids to go see Empire Strikes Back in theaters. And I was three and I was like, that sounds dope. That's probably what I said. Not at all. (laughs) And my one-year-old brother was a baby and doesn't know anything. And we got there. We got to the theater and there was this life-size movie-accurate Darth Vader costume. And my three-year-old brain went haywire. And literally, I was the calmest, nicest, most put-together, most goody-two-shoed kid you've ever met. Oh, so you were a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Awful. I was a hall monitor, which is what you call cops below the age of 18. And I, the only temper tantrum I ever threw in my entire childhood was because I saw that fucking Darth Vader costume was like, want, need, must have. And I started yelling at my parents, I want that. How do I get that? That's real. The thing in the movie I saw is real. How do I have that at my house? And they were like, no, you can't have it. Even the movie theater doesn't own it. Like, they're just renting it. And I was like, fucking perfect. We should rent it then. We should just rent it and have it at our house for a little while. That would be sick. And they're like, no, we can't. Shut up. Let's watch the movie. And we, like, sat in the theater. And I'm, like, sobbing. Like, I want the Darth Vader. Why can't I have the Darth Vader? And we left. My parent, my mom took me away. And my dad and his dad watched Empire Strikes Back. And I wish I had been there for this stupid empire strikes back like i wish i could say you know what i'm so cool i saw empire strikes back in theaters when i was three but i can't because i cried through it and my mom had to take me home i wish i had seen empire strikes back on re-release in the 90s okay well that was good i'm glad that story wrapped up with you wanting to go see the movie (laughs) oh yeah i thought you were just telling that story apropos of nothing (laughs) no no my my answer is empire strikes back I really wish that I'd seen The Witch when it came out in theaters. The Vivitch? The Vivitch. Okay. I, when I finally did get around to watching it, because I'm definitely one of those people where it's, oh, this is so good, and it gets so hyped that I'm just like, it can't be that good, there's no way. And so I finally, like, a year later, decided to watch it at home on a casual whim, and immediately I was like, I fucked up. I 100% should have seen this in theaters, like the long, slow cuts and just like the whole cinematic experience. I really missed out for sure. So I wish I would have seen that in theaters. Yeah, I've told you this story before, but I went and saw that movie in theaters with my college roommates. And that before that, I was always like, nah, I don't really like horror. I don't really fuck around with horror. It's not my thing. And then I saw the witch in theaters. I was like, oh no, I guess I like horror now. Like that was the movie that changed my mind. So I, I, 
definitely feel that one. Yeah. I still have nightmares about the grudge. So Okay. Okay. Can we talk about the grudge? Because actually it's great. <laughs> is, is it? I don't know. I'm still too frightened to watch it as an adult. So I did not I saw the ring in theaters, which was definitely terrifying to watch in theaters. Didn't age well though. No point in revisiting. But the grudge, I felt like took all of the things in Japanese horror, like the mood and the tension and the kind of ambivalence of what makes ghost movies scary. Ignoring that the ghost is real? Is that what you mean by ambivalence? Well, what I mostly mean is like in ghost movies, there's a, in American ghost movies, there's like a reason you're being haunted, right? Like there's like, you have done something to invite this on yourself, but in the grudge, all she does is move into this house and it has nothing to do with her. Okay. Nothing at all. She does nothing wrong. All she does is she's in, she moves into this house to be a caretaker for the people who live there. That's true. Cause even in like most haunted house movies, I feel like um, Western haunted house movies that I've seen, it's like you moved into the house and you're being haunted, but you're also a shitty person so that these shitty things, like the audience doesn't feel quite as bad. Like I I do feel like that's a thing in Western, in Western filmmaking. Ambivalence. Yeah. All right. So next question is movie you think should get a sequel and why? Let's start with you, Regina. So, I actually had to take a couple days to think about this because most of the time I feel like when I watch a movie and there's only one, I'm pretty satisfied by that. There's no need for a sequel. So I kind of had to go in the direction of something like a reboot and or a soft sequel. And my pick is Doom, the movie that features Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I decided to go with this pick because... It's a great it's great. It's a great movie. It's fun, it's thrilling. It's an accurate adaptation of video game to film. And I mean in 2020, we could totally we have the technology to bring the some of those effects more realized. And we could totally go back to that and like how we were talking about this and like have the rock come back as like the like semi CGI villain sort of do like the Scorpion King in reverse where like he comes comes back as this like haunted demonic creature as like the main antagonist and just something sort of, to bridge the people something who to watch bridge the original the into first this one and the second one without having it necessarily be a direct sequel like we don't need to bring carl urban back like i don't th- think anyone no. misses his character i don't think so at all <laughs> it could totally be a whole new cast 100 percent. i just think the plot is yeah the plot's almost there. irrelevant. You just have you have to have a doom guy go to Mars and fight some hellish demons, and The Rock can be one of those and be like a soft sequel. Yep. Yeah, yeah we were absolutely. talking about this earlier, and it, it seemed really great. Yep. Yeah. So that's totally my. Pick. The only problem with that is The Rock doesn't play villains anymore. That is true. That's why it would be a soft recall, similar mm-hmm. to Scorpion King, where it was all CGI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He would just. Someone's like, "Hey, we're going to CGI your likeness for this much money, whether it's a villain or not." The Rock's probably down. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. It is against yeah. his branding, but I'm it's gonna her DM pick. him. It's her I'm pick. gonna DM him. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, ask him. Ask him how he's doing, and ask yeah, him why sure. he's so anti-black. Yeah. Yeah. Can you also ask him why he hasn't responded to my DMs yet? No, I'm not gonna. Do God that. damn it! Yeah. <laughs> or I could just comment irrelevantly on one of his posts. Perfect. That's work. He's got a picture of him and his daughter. Yeah. Hey, why won't you respond to my DMs? Yeah, a thousand percent. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Answer. My answer to this is the Jack black classic school of rock now this presupposes that it's a good sequel right because that's how i assumed this answer would be taken because like 
A, that movie's great. It resonated with me personally because it came out the same year I started at private school and like the kids were 10 and I was 10 and I'm like, this movie is about me. I could have been in this rock band even though I don't play an instrument. I just wanted, I was like, this is me. And it was like so much wish fulfillment in a, in a sense. And also that movie is just fucking hilarious from start to finish. It holds up. I highly recommend everyone rewatch it. But it would be so cool to get those kids back. And like now they're adults and maybe some of them are a little weird and fucked up. Maybe some of them don't play music anymore, but are still like friends with people who are like still in the like Jack Black school of rock band. And I think that it would be fun to revisit those world, those characters and like that world. And for like a round two, I wouldn't want the same story again. I'm not saying he should like find a bunch of other 10 year olds. I think those kids from the first band, we should see what they're up to now, including Jack Black's character. Okay. That's what I want. That's interesting. That's a, that's an answer I didn't expect to hear. Well, there you go. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So the next question is intellectual property that should be made into a movie. Could be anything. It could be that jug of laundry detergent or yeah. bounce sheets. Well, now or, you took my answer. So I'll we'll have to pivot. <laughs> All right. Let's All right. start with you. My piv- I'm going to pivot to... Uh, uh, Red Sonia, which is a comic published by Dynamite Entertainment. There was a movie in the 70s, which was supposed to be a soft sequel to Conan the Barbarian. Wasn't that like Brigitte Nielsen in it? I think so. I haven't seen it. It's supposed okay. to be real bad. It is. And like they had to like change Conan's, they had to change Arnold Schwarzenegger's character's name, like wall filming because he was going to be called Conan because the comics originally published Conan and Red Sonia were like in the same universe, but then they got bought by separate publishers and they didn't exist in the same universe anymore. And you couldn't have a Conan because I think they were also produced by different movie studios. So then it was like double crossing the stream and it was like, no, 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 you got to change his name. I've never seen that movie, but the current red Sonia series by Mark Russell is absolutely phenomenal. It's hilarious while also being like really sick, high fantasy action. And I think you should get the, uh, people who make that show glow which i mentioned earlier on to do uh a red sonya movie with the fight choreographer from the movie we're here to talk about today mandy the fight choreographer from mandy the casting or the people who make glow red sonya badass lady killing people high fantasy it could be a great mid-budget fantasy movie Funny story, uh, Rose McGowan and Robert Rodriguez were working on Red Sonia in 2008, something like that, 2009. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And Rose McGowan got into that car accident that paralyzed okay. her arm. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, Jesus. so she couldn't do it. Also, uh, who's that guy who, um, who got fired from making Bohemian Rhapsody halfway through? Brian Singer, the guy who also made those X-Men movies. He was attached. Noted child rapist. Yeah, yeah was noted say, child rapist. He got fired rapist. because all the allegations yes. came out against him at that time. Oh, well, and that was the second child time rapist. that someone had al- allegations come against him. And he was supposed to be making a Red Sonja movie, but is not anymore. So like that movie's sort of in limbo. And I'd, I hope it sees the light of day. I can't imagine that even if it were to be made today, it would turn out any good just based on how Conan turned out. We worked on that, right? Conan. Um, the oh, that one was Jason have... Momoa. Yeah. 
I didn't work on it, but that movie is supposed to be hot garbage. Honestly, I almost wanted to say sequel or reboot. I I could also have said King Conan because I would watch a third Conan movie bringing Arnold back. I think they were working on that as well. Old Man Conan. Yeah, King Conan is like a thing in the comics too. Yeah, and where he's like an old man and he has to like go rescue his son. And he's like, okay. I've I've read a few of the Conan books. They're good. They are uh, some of them. Some of them are good. Yeah, there's. There are a handful of short stories that are mm-hmm. like real sketchy. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. But I mean, as a whole, they hold out, yeah. hold up pretty well. Yeah. How about you? So, I thought about it, and I decided that the intellectual property that I would like to see adapted into film would be The Last of Us. That really excellent game that came out. How long did? How long ago? Did I think that it was come like out? twenty. 13, 2014, somewhere around there. Really? Okay, that sounds right. Um, I mean, it is halfway a movie. The game is an entire cinematic experience, so it's kind of like, just make it a movie, low effort, I can rewatch it all of the time. I don't have to replay it every single time I want to get in on the story and that action. It is really good and really cinematic and like the script's already there. So And then it I think it was one of the first games to actually use like television write show writers. Oh, I think they went sense. with the writers from Supernatural too. That would also make a lot of sense for you. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense for me. Yeah. Because my second pick for IP into movie was Supernatural. <laughs> Just end the se- first of all the series should have ended a while ago. Yeah. Um, and I say that as a dedicated loving fan, but they could, instead of season 15, end it as a movie. There you go. What would that movie look like? What do you mean? What would it look like? like? What would it be? I mean, it it would obviously, you know, be so tight is if they like Sam and Dean, like totally like wrapped up everything and they're like, okay, like we're totally not hunters anymore. We're super retired. We'll call it fast forward 10 years. And something happens, like, we'll call it post-apocalyptic, per usual. That's kind of their thing, is they save the world from going extinct every season. And, yeah, maybe, I wouldn't say an old enemy. I would say, like, a new enemy targets, like, their kids or something or do they have whatever. kids in the show? They don't because they're active hunters. So they're like, uh, we can't have kids. Like, we like, can't get married. We can't is there have, any they way try that to show- have relationships. They can't do is it. Is there any way that show doesn't end with them both dying? That's my thing. I feel like they should die in the movie, right? Maybe. Yeah, that'd be tight. But what if... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Seal well, the deal. How do you bring, yeah, red just, how do you bring you Yellow Eyes it. back? I feel like that would be the best movie, is you bring Yellow Eyes back for like one big adventure. Like one big... Now it's this personal. Is, I'm making the no spoilers face at you right now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's Who, fine. Who's Yellow Eyes? I have. I only saw two I episodes can't. of Let, the first Let's season. not even okay. get into all right. it. No spoilers. I could be here all night. Just all right. let's not even worry about it. It's not just, what we're here to talk about. It's not yeah. what we're here to talk about. Just Speaking of what we're here to talk about, after the break, we'll get into Mandy. This week's subgenre is, oh, we just watched a Nicolas Cage movie. This week we're reviewing Mandy, which was released on 
September 14th, 2018, and is directed by Panos Cosmatos, produced by Daniel Noah, Josh, Josh C. Waller, Elijah Wood, Adrian Politowski, Martin Metz, and Nate Bolotin. Screenplay by Panos Cosmatos and Aaron Stewart on. Story by Panos Cosmatos, starring Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riseborough, Andrea Riseborough, Linus Roche, Ned Dennehy, Olwen Forer, I'm not going to try it, <laughs> Richard Brake, and Bill Duke. Music by Johan Johansson. Who deserves a fucking Oscar, by the way. It's a great soundtrack. Cinematography by Benjamin Loeb. Also e- an Oscar, please. Fantastic. Uh, edited by Brett W. Bachman. And it has a runtime of 121 minutes. Uh, budget of six million and a box office of one point four million, which is pretty, pretty okay given the fact that it was a Shutter movie. Yeah, I mean it was um, it was shown at Sundance and it was yeah. Really yeah, I was gonna say well it was received. super limited release. Yeah, like, I got a really limited release. It went straight to streaming, and then it's yeah. on Shutter and it's listed as a Shutter exclusive. So I'm assuming they had some money in it, which. Yeah. Means that 1.4 is like, that's all just icing on the cake because Shudder probably covered a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I would certainly hope so. I, I mean, rented word. it from YouTube, so it's not necessarily a Shudder exclusive. Uh, yeah, probably not, but it's on Shudder, which means, and I, it's listed. As, oh, do you pay for Shudder? No. no. Oh, okay. We have a login. I have a friend. Oh. <laughs> I have friends. I have friends who pay for things. I mean, yes, I pay for Shudder. <laughs> and I watched it on my shutter, and I definitely didn't borrow it from a friend. What are you trying well, to do to me? Dude, that's way better than most of the responses we get on this show, <laughs> as in people openly admitting to pirating things. Yeah, I stole this off of a Usenet forum. How dare they? Ugh. How dare? How <laughs> dare they? This movie uh, is effectively a revenge film dressed up as a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, it's, it pretends to be a horror movie, but it's not actually. Uh, it's a very aesthetic film mm-hmm. in that there are just shots that are really beautifully set up. Absolutely. Maybe there are a little bit too many homages to J.J. Abrams and the lens oh, flare. Oh, the lens flares? Yeah, the lens flare in some spots. I was just like, okay, they're just laying in bed. Why do you need a lens flare right now? I feel like this whole movie was just a series of homages to movies the director likes yeah like did you say sorry to cut you off did you say that elijah was produced this movie yeah. yes that is so funny because last time when we were watching it i was like a lot of scenes in this remind me of toad road which is elijah wood's like i don't want to say first directed movie but it's like a psychological horror movie that is like a off the beaten path avant-garde style and it was one of the first things i said yeah and I had no idea that he had any part of this film. Yeah, he that's crazy. It makes it makes certain sense. Like I didn't realize that either. But he, I know he's a big horror fan, and he produces a, a fair number of horror movies. So I wasn't super surprised. I okay, I do like a lot of what was done in this movie. Yeah. Mostly when it comes to the score and the cinematography. Really yeah. Both it, of those. They I feel both like, drip style. Yeah, absolutely. I would say my least favorite part of this movie was Nick Cage. What? Yeah, man. I I'm don't know. Politely disagree because it's your show. 
<laughs> you can just outright disagree. That's fine. You can <laughs> gonna throw things. No, yeah, you can angrily disagree if I you want. Just don't. I mean, he was so manic and crazy. Yeah, and fun. I mean, I mean was, he was so Nick Cage. Like, I think that's maybe that's kind of the thing, right? Is he was like totally Nick Cage throughout the whole thing. Uh, but yeah. like, who? Okay, here's the thing. Imagine literally anyone else in that role. They would you just can't. die. You can't. They would just. They would do it probably better. No way. Who, name one person who could do it better. John Hamm. Oh, fuck. John Hamm would be really cool. <laughs> That'd be really sick, dude. And That'd also, really like sick. as I'm sitting here, I'm like, Keanu Reeves could have done it. Yeah. Oh, Keanu Reeves would have been great pick. Well, but I think Keanu Reeves would have just been like, like, "What is this? A John Wick movie?" Yeah, I think no. everybody would have been like, "Oh, it's John Wick." But I don't like, know. I was horror. so I was so Ace happy it was Nick Cage, though. I really liked Nick Cage in this movie. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of another manic, crazy Nick Cage movie that I just recently watched for the first time. That Regina's like rolling her eyes about because I can't stop talking about it, which is David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Which, is that the motorcycle movie? No, um, Wild at Heart is Nick Cage and. Uh, Laura Dern and they go on a road trip in their like old Cadillac because Laura Dern's mom wants to murder Nick Cage and it's like oh, a, that's and it's they there's like a series of assassins who come including Willem Dafoe in like a one of his early performances in the early 90s and as this weird crazy disgusting character named Bobby Peru with some of the most hard to look at teeth prosthetics I've ever seen in a movie. He's got these tiny little baby teeth. They're so uncomfortable. I feel like the best aliases are names of countries or cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's this assassin named Bobby Peru who's like been hired to kill Nick Cage. And it's a road trip through like the deep south and there's a shit ton of Wizard of Oz references throughout the movie. It's just really wacky and crazy and if you're a fan of David Lynch you should check it out. But he plays like a very similar character who's just like wild and crazy, but probably still a good person at heart. And uh, I just was pleasantly reminded of that. And also, I just, he was so fun. Like, I, I was so happy to see it was Nick Cage. Like, what's Nick Cage done recently that I want to see? Almost nothing. I was, I, I'm here for Nick Cage in this movie. It's funny that you mentioned Willem Dafoe because I was like, he could totally play the cult leader. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He would have been a great uh, top billing pick for that. Not to say that whoever is playing the cult leader in that movie is bad, because he is not. He's great. Yeah, it was uh, Linus Roche. Yeah. And he he used to be the ADA on Law & Order. Oh, really? So after he retired as ADA. I feel so ashamed that I don't even know that. He just became a cult leader. Well, Law & Order, which Law & Order? It was like the original Law & Order from... 2008 to 2010 and then he was on svu from 2011 to 2012 damn dog i'm not a real fan i also thought he was like 18 years old so i thought he was i thought he was at most like 25 years old so good for him what do you mean in the movie yeah i thought he was super young bro what must be all that red light yeah no it definitely was super old to me wow yeah he just looked like an old dude interesting maybe it was just the blonde hair anytime i see like an old person with like really bright blonde hair i'm like oh they're not that old (laughs) <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair if enough. It's not gray. They're not old. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I I would go into a description of this movie, but really, there's not necessarily a ton that happens. The movie is mostly aesthetics. Yeah, and it's yeah. mostly there's like a story kind it's like of a vibe. Well, it's like the first half. Here, here is it. Here it is. The first half of the movie is Nicolas Cage and the actress who plays his wife. Andrea, Wait, is Andrea it his Reisebau. wife? Uh, his, his partner. I don't know if they're married, but it's his partner. They just vibe. 
Um, and they sit on the couch and vibe to mm-hmm. some to the great score. And mostly they're just like watching TV and eating cereal. And like he's a logger and she works at a convenience store. And then some cult leader spots her walking down the road, minding her own goddamn business. And is like, I must have her. Yeah. And they kidnap her. And she's like, no, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to join your fucking cult. So they burn her alive in front of Nick Cage. And Nick Cage goes on like a John Wick style murder rampage with a homemade axe. Yeah, and they also, more justified. For sure. Uh-huh. I liked how he made the axe. Yeah, that was a sick scene. Yeah, yeah. they just make the axe, which is like... Don't explain it. They just no. do it. But like, what I- he could just pick up a knife or like go and like buy... I mean, he has a weapons guy. He could acquire any number of weaponry but he makes this axe specifically to get his revenge i like that part which is a great nod also that axe is one of those references i wanted to talk about because that axe looks exactly like the axe buffy finds in the last season of buffy the vampire slayer that's like the slayer's weapon that's been lost for centuries and it looks exactly like that axe except it's red and that that's what i was saying earlier this movie has so many tiny nods to things that the director clearly just really likes like at the end of the movie the cult leader picks up a golden gun a golden luger which is the exact same gun that the man with the golden gun and james bond has well so i don't think that was the cult leader i think that was the uh drug you're right it was a drug maker but Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The but LSD like, man with the tiger, which was yeah, a, that the was tiger weird. was that was a weird scene, but I liked it. Yeah, a lot. yeah also, I liked the whole thing. The weapons guy. I want to talk about that because I don't think that's his weapons guy. I think that's like you know, John Wick has the gold coins, and you're like in the first one, you're like, oh, there's lore, there's lore, and they're not telling it to me, but I like it. Mm-hmm. There's some kind of lore about that crossbow that is that that guy has because. It has when, a name, right? It has a name, yeah. the Reaper. Because yeah. m- when Mandy is kidnapped by the cult leader, the cult leader's like, "What do you see?" And he's like trying to be all deep and crazy. And she's like, "I see that the Reaper's coming for you." And it it just seems like a cold thing to say to a cult leader who's probably about to murder you. But instead, Nick later Nicholas Cage goes to this guy at a trailer and is like, "I'm here for the Reaper," and he hands him this this black crossbow and he's like and i made some special bolts for her or whatever and there's some lore about that crossbow like it's like the dread pirate roberts of like weird assassins <laughs> that's <laughs> that is a uh metaphor yeah it certainly or, is <laughs> it's technically a simile but yeah they yeah. went to college for words i did let everybody i did not <laughs> just gonna As let everybody know tell. yeah uh, Anyway, it was really weird that uh, they decided to hire these supernatural dudes to kidnap I Mandy. I was just going to talk about that because it was, okay, like, so here they are, Nick Cage and the woman that plays his partner living, like, a pretty average life, cult leader, okay, like, everybody understands that so far. Then they have this, like, weird nod to Hellraiser where it's, like, you summon these demons i say demons with the implied question mark at the end in the movie because there could be people who are just beyond fucked up i think that's what the one guy says is like oh they took some bad drugs and ever since then like that's how they are but they go through like a very ritualistic summoning of these people which i thought was interesting blood I, for blood yeah and i 
was expecting to hate it and I didn't hate it at all. No, it was I was awesome. like, no, if it's a cult, like stick to that. If it's not, stick to that. But the, I'm just going to keep saying it. The whole movie was a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that I wasn't ever sure if it was just people who were fucked up or if they were like actual pain demons. Yeah. I or, have no idea. Like, I don't know. But I did like the nod to Hellraiser. I haven't seen Hellraiser, even though there's like six of them. I haven't seen any of them. But yeah, I still understand the nod because i was alive in the 90s and i've seen that out uh, that movie cover before Yeah, like you were around i don't what are you talking about the guy with the spikes yeah yeah okay. pinhead yeah yeah so both pinheads one in mandy and then the one in mandy is a reference to the hellraiser yeah, yeah. that's what okay. i was saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. you right yeah. you right i didn't i've never seen hellraiser either yeah, yeah. because as i mentioned before or maybe maybe I don't in think a you different did. this episode. might be the first time First time I mentioned this, I'm a huge baby. I don't like horror movies. Okay, were you scared by this movie? I'm curious. No, no, no it's not very it's scary, aesthetic. right? It's not scary at all. It's not like you don't have things jumping out of the no. dark or no, it's very yeah. atmospheric. Have you seen the witch? Personally. The witch? No, I haven't. That's you should have seen it in theaters. Well, you should check it out <laughs> because it's. I still think you should check it out just because it's 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 scary, but it's scary in like an atmospheric vibe. vibe yeah. Kind I of can't way. do the atmospheric stuff. That's okay. like, this is how I develop PTSD. Okay. You know how troops are like constantly yeah. sitting on edge. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fuck, we're going to get attacked. I'm sitting there are. when I watch horror movies, like something's going to fucking scare me and I'm not prepared Cause for it. Is. it. Cause yes. it is. But you're fine. Yeah. I'll be fine afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and I, an IED of fear is going <laughs> to yeah. go off in my face. Great. Great. Well, just I mean, that's so honestly how people get into horror movies. Like, I don't know of anyone who's just like, Oh, I've always liked scary movies from the jump. Like you have to watch a scary movie that kind of, this is a classless way to say it, but kind of like beats the brakes off your fear. And you're just like, Oh, <laughs> Never mind, I'll never be scared again. And you yeah. just kind of jump off from there. Yeah. Um, it's like that episode of South Park where Cartman finds something so funny that nothing else is funny to him anymore. <laughs> I don't it's like super offensive. I don't remember what specifically it is that he finds so funny, other than it being like absolutely terrible. But watching scary movies is the same way. So like everyone has one that they're traumatized by and will never watch again. And then everyone has one that they're like Oh yeah, like I re- it just clicked. So, I hope that you find the movie that beats the breaks off your scary movie fear. Well, that'll never I mean, happen. you sat through The Grudge, which is pretty fucking scary. I'm not going to yeah, lie to you. Yeah, that movie's fucking horrifying. So, there's your yeah, there's would, your terrible one that you'll never watch again, but now you got to see the one that really makes you feel like, "Oh no, I I like you're this fine now." now. Yeah. I just have to find out what I'm afraid of in horror movies Yeah, because yeah. like that's the real trick. I think it might be the tension because there's some yeah. like I'll watch like normal horror movies like Paranormal Activity where it's like which is like whatever yeah like I uh, thought the third one in was theaters, though the third one was I guess I should cool. have seen that one in theaters too that third one have any of them I haven't seen any of them in theaters I saw the first two I only saw the first one I only saw the first two okay. watch all of them all right. one of them's made in Oxnard which I lived where I, I lived like right by like there's the next town over from me which was kind of weird yeah. nice. I think the third one is probably my favorite because of all the camera tricks they incorporate, not okay. because the movies. Yeah, yeah. Really well, good. those movies were great for like they were made for like three dollars or something. Yeah, <laughs> you just get a bunch of your friends who are actors. Three dollars. It was like okay, well, we, we already have the camera, and we filmed it at my buddy's house, and my buddy's going to star in it, and our camera trick quote-unquote is we strapped the camera to the ceiling fan, so yeah, we made it for free. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. 
Anyway. What was the cost of flour that we used for like demon tracking powder, but it was really just flour? And the video is in black and white, or it's dark, so the CG yeah. looks better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah. I really admire that about those movies, and they kept cranking them out until people stopped going. Yeah, yeah. they were gonna True. try to make like how many a, are there? A, there's six, I think. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. That's way too many. Yeah, I mean, I think I might have seen them. the third one, but Good for I definitely I know I saw the first every two. Time? No. Uh, the dude who made the first one, I think, directed the second one, and then they just kept getting new people in. I think after oh, I think kind of like wasn't the trilogy. Didn't yeah. the, weren't the first three all connected, and then they like stopped numbering them or something after that. All of them were connected except for the one where it was like Lost Souls or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that was the one they filmed in Oxnard. Oh yeah, with the, <laughs> with the Mexican teens. Yeah, yeah. So the Is it first, good I didn't see it. I'm sorry. Mean, technically, they're all connected. We'll get back to Mandy in a second. Uh, <laughs> but they're all connected. The first one is Katie and her husband. Yeah, the second one is Katie's one sister and her family. Uh-huh. I think I saw that one too. Katie, I one. I it happens concurrently first. with the first one. Oh, word? So, yeah, where it overlaps towards the tail end. Oh, gotcha. And that then uh, Katie, at the end of the second one, uh, kids kidnaps their kid or something like that, and then the third one is about uh, Katie and her sister growing up with their mom, and their grandmother is a part of a cult, and so that's how the demons get injected into right. Katie and her sister. Maybe I did see that one. And then the know. fourth one uh, may have been a random family. I think that's the one that used the connect, uh, which oh. they did this like crazy thing. You can use uh, an infrared camera to capture like all the points that the connect puts out and that's what they used and i if i recall correctly they did something where like the invisible demon was walking through the house and you could see the dots on it that's moving cool. yeah it was pretty cool. it was neat uh the fourth one was another random family i think but katie was involved with them somehow i don't remember but the fifth one was the lost souls one i think where it was the kids in Oxnard, right. where I think it ends with Katie's grandmother showing up. Nice. She's just all old and shit as she was in the third movie. But anyway, I th- I, maybe I have that wrong. I didn't see the one that came after that, if there was one. I'm pretty sure there was. Anyway. I think so. I think they did six. That just feels like the right number that they made. We could Google it, but fuck that. No. Yeah, no. This is a podcast. Another. This is live entertainment, as far as they know. Live to tape. Live to tape. Yes. Yeah. We're filmed in front of a live studio audience, though. Uh, we haven't said anything funny, though, so they haven't. Yeah, no, so right. they straight up haven't clapped. And also nothing cute has happened, so no one's gone, Oh, No, 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 yet. but no one has booed. Also, 100% true. Real concern that just, I had, so. They're all on their phone. That guy just yawned. Yeah. We uh, saw you. Going back to Mandy, uh, there's, again, not too much plot to break down. No, he not goes on a killing spree, which with, is a sick killing spree. Yeah, it was it was pretty rad. It's the chainsaw fight sure. was like super interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was like, have I ever seen a chainsaw fight in a movie before? I, I also think the answer is no. Thought. And I was like, I can't think of one where it's like it's two chainsaws. Like I'm sure that's happened before, but also one guy had like a really long. I'm assuming like a logging chainsaw or something because it was extra long. Or maybe it was just a made-up fictional chainsaw for the movie. Either way, it was like one guy had a double-sided chainsaw, and and he just had a regular chainsaw, and he's like, "I'm gonna have to fight this guy." Yeah, and it was sick. It was great. Yeah, it was super, and it was in like a quarry at night, and it was one of the dopest fight scenes I've seen in a long time. Yeah, if there have been other chainsaw duels in a movie, I would 
like to watch that movie. So hopefully people will chime in. Comment below if you've seen a chainsaw fight in a movie. Yeah. Do it. We're out here. We want to know. Yeah. Let us know. I would say that like the one knock, if I was going to give a knock on this movie, it wouldn't be Nicolas Cage personally, (laughs) but I mean, you do you No, (laughs) mine would be uh, that it couldn't decide if it wanted to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are times where it's laugh out loud, funny and like ridiculous. Like when he pull, when the other guy pulls a chainsaw out, that's twice as long as Nick Cage's chainsaw. It's like, that's a hilarious moment. But I'm not sure that the movie warrants comedy. Like, I'm not sure the movie wouldn't be stronger if it wasn't funny. Like, if the guy if had they just, just played it straight. If they just played it straight and the guy had, like, another regularly sized chainsaw, everyone would be like, this is the sickest thing. But it's like, because it's so comically large compared to Nick Cage's chainsaw, it's like, oh, this is funny. And that's okay. And I think that that was intentional. But maybe if they'd played it straight, the movie overall would be a little stronger. There's a couple other scenes where it's like, they 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 do some extreme humor. Yeah. I thought that scene where Nick Cage was like going between crying and being very angry in the bathroom after he frees himself towards the beginning. Oh of the yeah. Film, yeah. And he's in there with the, the bottle of vodka or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was like bordering on comedy. I read a lot of reviews about this movie after I watched it. Cause I was trying to figure out like what my, I was trying to like gather my own thoughts about it. And a lot of people cite that as like the tipping point for when they turned off the movie. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh, several huh. people, including a friend of mine who's like, I turned it off and like came back to it a week later to finish it. Interesting. Because that just didn't, like the scene, that scene and the movie as a whole up until that point wasn't working for them. I liked that scene. I kept thinking if it was, wondering if it was real vodka because he keeps like smacking his throat. And I'm like, I wouldn't think to smack my throat if I was like pretend drinking vodka. But if I was drinking real vodka, I'd be like, oh, my God, this sucks. Yeah, you'd be like choking to death. I'm sure. like, I bet that was real vodka because he's like choking it down. Yeah. But he well, like, he also got real tequila here. We, do. we, we do. find out. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess you that. should start choking it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's doing it. Uh, no, I just I liked that scene a lot. Uh, yeah. I wasn't like I didn't see that personally as humorous. I saw that as like so fucked up. Yeah, I saw just... it as like pretty intense. I do think because going into this movie, I had no idea what to expect. Like I knew it was a revenge film, but I didn't know anything else. And I actually kind of kept it that way. I was like, I don't know anything about this. I haven't seen. I mean, it has been reviewed as like one of like the most imaginative horror movie in 2018. Nick Cage does a great job, blah, 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 blah. Wouldn't that be The Void? Oh, my God. I love The Void. Didn't Holy that come shit. out in 2018? Or was that 2016? I think that might have been 2017. Okay. I haven't seen it, so I don't I, don't I love The Void. You and I thought that. about The Void when I watched Mandy. Interesting. Yeah. Is that also Nick Cage? It. No. No. Oh. Better. It's got one of the dudes from Letterkenny in it, though. Oh, sick. Yeah. That show rocks. Yeah, That dude. show fucking rocks. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah. fun on a bun. It is impossible to not start talking like you're from Newfoundland yeah. if you watch that show. Yeah, I don't same. watch that show, so <laughs> I don't have that problem. I, I use so many. You've heard me use phrases I know, like, I like have I, spare parts. Like anytime I like think less of a person, I'm like there's spare parts. That's true. You have said that. It's from Letterkenny. You said that today. I said it today. You said it just today. Temply is very good. Temply. Fucking uh, Temply, bud. Big shoots. What's going on there, big shoots? Why don't we <laughs> dial it back there? <laughs> Love it. 
Yeah. I yeah. used to in Rocket League my name was Big Shoots for a while. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. back to Mandy. <laughs> yeah. I think that scene with Nick Cage is definitely the turning point in the movie. Yeah. Prior to that, 100. the movie was like about to be a serious snooze fest for yeah. me. Because yeah, I, I strongly one agree. of the reviews I read literally said I fell asleep twice before it got exciting, so I turned it off. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I kinda get that. I like a slow movie. Like I'm just weird like that just the slow takes and the like the slow long takes of them like eating cereal with just that like ominous kind score of esta- underneath like really establishing and i mean when you're going into a revenge film you're like okay this person definitely dies yeah so that's kind of like yeah. you're like okay like hurry up and die so the movie can start that's well, kind of how i went into it but you really appreciate that slow build after you have to make it past that scene yeah though. because once she's once she died I felt, and we talked about this during the movie, I felt like so justified on the revenge. Like I felt somewhat attached to her, even though she doesn't do very much and neither of them do very, there's not like that much dialogue between them, but you can tell that they have their little life and that they're very happy and that both of them clearly had dark pasts that they're running away from. And like all of that is pretty clearly established and that they live a nice quiet life and they sleep in their weird fishbowl room. <laughs> with glass walls in the middle of the woods that would drive me fucking crazy. But those long shots of them sleeping in that weird fishbowl room that are like lit crazy blue, like, like nightclub blue work for me. It does. It lends that sense of intimacy. So that like when shit hits the fan and the demon people are summoned and like break in and everything, you really feel, you feel like that sense of intrusion. You're like, Oh shit. Like, yeah. Oh my God. And then when she How does dare. die, you're like, "How could? Oh you? my God, Nicolas Cage is gonna murder you!" Like, yeah. and like yeah. it feels so like deserved, and like the hype is yeah. set so high. But that almost is why when some of the parts are funny, I'm like, "No, don't do that! Like, make it serious, keep it real." Yeah. And that's kind of the problem that I had with Nick Cage being in the movie as a whole, because he is nick cage yeah it's like um i don't know this is a a shitty analogy because i'm coming up with it on the fly but let's say you have uh a sandwich right it's like i like sandwiches who does sandwiches are dope they're really dope yeah but you add something like um deep fried bacon on that sandwich or maybe uh, like like um like a deep fried like chicken patty or something yep. to that sandwich yep, yep, yep. then it like changes the nature of the sandwich right it's right. like initially it's now, maybe it was like deli meat sliced deli meat and some cheese but now you have added this like main staple yes so it's right. that sandwich with because everything else now exactly. it's not a, now it's a fried chicken sandwich yes. and it's like but you weren't building a fried you weren't necessarily right. building a fried chicken sandwich it's just like you can't. You don't build a ham sandwich for lunch and then, like, as one of the toppings, add fried chicken. It's like that's a whole different sandwich. Yes, exactly. I get what you mean. And then Nick Cage kind of sits on top of this movie, and it's like a Nick Cage movie because he's being fucking wacky. And I saw somebody reviewed this a while ago, and they're like, "Oh, Nick Cage is finally allowed to be himself in one of these movies, and he fits in super well." And I agree to some degree. Uh, yeah, like I do feel like he is himself to the detriment of the movie yeah i just don't agree i thought it was perfect i thought he was at his no, cagiest in a great, great way personally i i personally don't think it took away from the movie but i could see that argument yeah i definitely sure. think it could have been better without him not to say that i disliked this movie because yeah. it was great it was a fun time yeah. to watch but it's 
Like, or if I would slice, I would cut down that first like twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, because it's not even twenty minutes. Like, it's maybe the it first hour. It oh, is. It's is it the first hour? It might be. I'm not sure. I didn't okay. time it. I don't know. I didn't clock it. It is a long time, but it's a though. long time. It's yeah. it's and it, jack shit happens, and, and it's a long time happens. to be like. Yeah. So wait, am I wrong about what this movie is? Right. Yeah, right. I thought it was yeah. going to be like one of those movies like Tree of Life or something where it's just like people sharing time in a room. Right. The beginning of the movie. No, in the first 18 minutes of the movie uh, is when they get to the story that uh, Mandy is telling about her background. Yeah. And oh, with her dad. Yes. Yeah. And so the thing that pissed me off about the movie so much was like it was real quiet and real whispery. Yeah. And yeah. I was like. No, I like the that. F- the fuck is going on here? I had to turn up my computer so loud. Actually, yeah. I, I, we, we had did to turn, turn on closed captions. <laughs> yeah. She made me turn on closed captions. I was like, I'm getting lost. You have to put the closed captions on. That was really helpful, was, though. It was, was actually. So, pro tip. Yeah. Closed captions. They did whisper, yes. They whispered it's a lot. Like, come on! What am I? And yeah, it was. Yeah, I think it was about the first forty minutes to an hour of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Where what, jack like, shit is. Well, and it's like I remember that's during true. that scene. That's about twenty minutes in of her telling that story, and I'm like, this is the first scene where anyone like says more than two words. Yeah, and that's yeah. a lot, and that's a lot of a commitment, and you have. You have to be fully vibing with the movie to exactly. be on board with it at say, that point. It's a vibe. I mean, like, that's my summary of Mandy is hashtag it's a vibe. Like if you like had a weird sandwich for lunch and you're like not feeling great or it's not your kind of movie or you don't like movies that take a long time to spin up, you're not going to vibe with it. If you're not vibing with this movie, it works less and less. I just felt really locked in with it. It just really worked for me. Yeah. I, I think part of what saves this movie, at least the first part of the movie, is the aesthetic choices. Yeah, I would because strongly if it wasn't, agree with that. If it wasn't interesting to look at, I would have turned that shit off. No, 100%. Are you kidding me? I would have been like, turn this off, I'm going to bed, fuck this. But I think during the first, like that first segment, like the first half, I turned to her and said, I was like, I need to buy the Blu-ray so I can see this in like, in as nice as possible, like three or four times. Because... It's just so gorgeously shot and lit, and it's so weirdly lit. Like, it's so red. Like, half the scenes are just in a red filter, or, like, some of those really cool car scenes or driving scenes where it's, like, theoretically brake lights or taillights that are red, but instead everything behind the car is has this red filter on it. It just works really well. It was really cool. The cinematography is fucking incredible in this movie. Every time, or not every time, they do it, like, two or three times in the movie, where Nick Cage is driving somewhere and they have the shot from the backseat of the car. Yeah. Where yeah. It's just like dead center. And like the way the roads that they chose to drive on mm-hmm. too, where it's like, it, it seems like the trees in front of the car are very purposefully lit up. Yeah. And like the rear is red. The front is golden. And the way that the car is moving through the scene is really fucking incredible. Yeah. But again, if it weren't for a lot of that stuff, this movie would be another B oh, Nick Cage movie. hundred yeah, percent. It's almost, a, it, that's part of what I like about it is that it's almost a B movie. And like, it is a B movie. Like, just to bring up Glow a third time on this show, like the movies that Mark Maron's character, Sam Sylvia, makes, which are like these awful, I think it's called like, I, forget, I can't even remember what they're called, but these awful 80s B movies that he theoretically directed. Like it's almost, Mandy is almost one of those movies, but there's just some little bit of style. There's just some little bit of like 
magic secret sauce that puts it over the edge into like a real cult classic that like I know Regina said she might not watch it again just because yeah, it's so I would intense say, and like, such, this a, could such be a ride. A cult classic, but I think once you take away the mystery of like what is actually happening, like you're not going to make me sit through those first forty minutes again. Yeah. I would a hundred percent. You need the first forty minutes for the payoff of the last half of the movie. So well, it's just like, remember the first forty minutes as you watch the last. I think hour it's just 20. one of those things where I just have to wait a long time, so I like kind of forget. And then watch it again. It's in my Amazon card already. Like, I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. Literally, when I messaged my, like, friend group chat, oh, I'm finally watching Mandy, one of my friends just responded with, this is only your first time? Because, like, they've seen it a bunch of times, too. And it's like, I, I could totally see myself sitting down and watching it again. Yeah, it's, I don't feel the same. I feel closer to Regina on this. I'm going to have to wait a while. Oh, yeah, and I'm not I'm saying gonna I'm going like, to watch it again today. but You yeah. would, but... <laughs> I might. I mean, yeah. if I did, I wouldn't feel that bad about it. It's. Uh, I mean, it's only two hours, and it's fuck. I need to remark on this because even indie movies are doing this shit now, where every movie is like over two hours long. Thank this you. movie was two hours and one minute. Granted, some amount of time of that is the credits, but like, get the fuck out of here. I don't Thank need you. that. I don't mm-hmm. bring we us back, go to back to ninety, 90 minutes. minutes. Thank Give me you. the 90 minutes back. Thank you. Finally, someone is reasonable. I have a movie theory about movies minutes. that I share with a friend of mine. And me. Uh, regularly. Well, I've told you, but I mean, I share it as in like he and I agree on it, which <laughs> is that every movie should either be 90 minutes or three hours. Okay. Elaborate. So every movie either has only 90 minutes of story to tell and any longer is just like you could cut. Or has a full three hours to tell, and you should just be allowed to tell the whole thing. And either way, you should, like, know which one you're trying to make. Like, you should know, yes, I have a full three hours worth of content that I'm going to take you on this, like, novel journey. Like a journey like a novel. Or I'm going to keep it tight. I I had a two-hour cut, but I'm going to trim it down and make it really tight, all killer, no filler, hour and a half. And you should either have 90-minute or three-hour movies. I understand what you're saying. That's my logic. Mandy's two hours, and I don't know that I need any more of any parts. It could have been a 90-minute movie, a lot of people said. I could see the argument that you need less setup. Like, I would accept that. Like... I'm happy with it. Two hours and one minutes yeah. is like a fine runtime. I don't, I don't. And you're usually pretty good about that. And I'm, but like, I would, I think Mandy is definitely more of a 90 minute movie than a three yeah. hour movie for sure of the two. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of house of the devil, which is like a tight 90 minutes where it's just like Ty West doesn't waste a lot of time with the setup. It's just a very classic, like eighties ish era college girl needs money accepts babysitting job from a flyer and all shit goes sideways it's great yeah i don't even remember people's names from that movie but it's one of my favorite favorite horror movies of all time because they don't waste time in the setup they go you know what it is she walks in this house and she's like okay i'm here for the babysitting job and they're like okay it's kind of like a little weird she's like oh yikes but i guess i'll get paid and then it just goes completely fucking left for like the rest of the 60 minutes and it's so great it's so and it yeah. boom in out yeah awesome. it's perfect i especially with a horror movie i think most horror movies benefit from shorter runtimes yeah. and longer rewatch value off the charts uh-huh. because again 90 minutes right. you can't give people too much to think about during a horror movie that's true because you then, will forget 
Yeah, and people will poke holes in whatever internal logic is built in mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I'm sure if The Grudge was like three hours long, I'd be like, all right, hold on, but this doesn't make any sense. Why didn't <laughs> right. anybody right. just why didn't burn this house? Exactly, like, why didn't you just dip two hours ago? Like, what? Right. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, well, and like, uh, Regina and I did a whole bunch of slasher movies for October for Halloween, and almost all of the first installments to every slasher movie is like a tight, 90 minutes like Nightmare on Elm Street tight 90 minutes I think the first Halloween might be an hour 40 but okay I will call it night we'll round down to 90 just to be nice child's play tight 90 minutes like we watched all three of those in one day at one point and it was just like perfect they were all just like steady clip like it's perfect for that like slasher kind of horror movie it's the perfect length of time and I could see cutting out 30 minutes from that first hour yeah. maybe yeah. because you don't need the foreshadowing shots of Nick Cage sitting there smoking a cigarette on the edge of the lake as Mandy gets out of the water and he's looking through the fire at her you don't right. need yeah. that the, yeah. no. like, oh cool she's gonna be on fire later thanks guys again I'm not gonna take it away but in like a world where it had to be one or the other I would lean 90 but I like those shots I think they're I mean they're just pretty and they're fun to look at and I was vibing with the movie so I'm like for sure but I think it takes away from the rewatch value because you're like I get it I feel that (laughs) at least even if I don't agree I totally understand it and like respect that absolutely cool final thoughts uh I really liked it. I would give it a four and a half out of five just because will I watch it again over and over? Probably not. But I like not knowing anything going in. And the aesthetic value really takes it a long way. Nick Cage is Nick Cage. So at least you know what you get with that. Yeah, I also gave it four and a half out of five on my review. I thought maybe it could have kept its tone a little more even. But fun, stylish, cool atmospheric i highly recommend at least for a single watch unless you're like super squeamish about blood but otherwise highly recommend for at least once yeah i definitely also agree recommend it for a one-time viewing i would say you can skip that first like 30 minutes but i will say instead if you're not paying attention you're not going to really miss that much that's true yeah that's true you can wait like you can pretty much like be on your i mean i wouldn't recommend it because it is like and if you're vibing with it don't fast forward but like if you're not sure about the movie and you're like want to check your phone up until the revenge part starts i could i can at least see i i won't fault you yeah and definitely use closed captions because it's very quiet in the first half so if you're gonna only half pay attention at least have the closed captions i think the only reason i know you can understand at least what they're saying to each other yeah i think the only reason i know that nick cage's character was named red was because it said so in the closed caption yeah same 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 i also will say if you're looking for the exact moment to start paying attention it's when basically you're introduced to the cult leader for the first time yeah yes that's when the movie kind of starts yeah whereas like before it's like more dreamy shots of mandy and oh actually one thing that i forgot to mention is when the cult leader initially is like trying to seduce Mandy before he decides to kill her, the thing that they're doing with their faces where they're overlapping, oh, they yeah. like meld the faces. That was yeah. so cool. Cause it's like subtle enough where you've been watching the scene. You're like, wait, and they look this? really similar. Yeah. To they her. do. It makes you feel high. Like, yeah, yeah. I was Which definitely was cool. like, wait a second. 
that was, was a little high. It was Super really cool. We were a little high, but like <laughs> it made us feel more high. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Watch it once. Aesthetically, very pleasing. Take some screenshots. Yeah. I want to find I want to find some high res images for my computer background because it was gorgeous. Yeah. Fun watch. When we get back, we'll get into our titular segment. No concessions. with No Concessions, our titular segment where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies. Uh, let's start with you, Regina. Movie that I would die on a hill for is the 90s classic Mortal Kombat. I really love everything you're doing with your face at me <laughs> right now about okay. this pick, but it's a hot pick. It's a hot take. It's I like fun. It. It's a great adaptation. You can watch the first one over and over and over and over again, and it doesn't get old. It aged super well. And Robin show is like Diet Jackie Chan, so he's good for you. It's great. <laughs> I will say, I just watched this movie for the first time this year with her when we first started dating. It does hold up. I was like, oh, it's just fun. Like, they don't think they're making, like, Shakespeare. They're like, we're making fun. We're just making pure fun on recorded on videotape yeah and, and it's accurate it to the very if you want to call it canon of mortal Kombat. i mean it barely has a plot but at least they were accurate yeah. to it I mean, like could goro look it. better sure should raiden be asian 100 percent. yeah definitely is the movie so fun that you're willing to ignore both of those facts 100,000 percent. yeah like don't be woke and watch this like just be sleep just, just watch it and have fun. <laughs> you want to see people punch each other? You want to see a guy named Scorpion say, get over here and hit someone with a chain? This is the movie for you. Like, it's this really fun. This is the movie for everybody. Because yeah. it's good. It's good and fun. Mm, good? No, it is good. Fuck that. It is good. <laughs> okay, okay. The sequel is trash, though. If we had a segment on movies that should have never gotten a sequel, I would also say Mortal Kombat. Uh, that's an opening segment that I'm going to steal from you. You absolutely should, because, wow, they should not have made Annihilation. But <laughs> what I like about Mortal Kombat is it is so good on its own that I will watch it over and over, forget how terrible Annihilation is, and be like, oh, you know what? While I'm watching Mortal Kombat, maybe I should watch Annihilation. And then I put it in and go, oh, my God. I, I haven't asked you this, so I'll ask you now on the air in front of the live studio audience. What's your hype level for the for the reboot, for the new one that they're making right now? I would say I'm currently like a five out of 10 on hype because I've only heard about it vaguely. I think they just casted for it, right? Yeah, they've cast it. They, they're going to film it in Australia. They have a director. He's never directed a feature film before. This is his feature. That could be good though. Yeah. He's like mostly a commercial director, um, but it is being produced by James Wan. That's a pretty big plus. Yeah. That could be cool. So yeah. We'll see. I'm I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm, I'll watch it. I'm like a, I mean, let's be honest. I'm going to yeah, watch it. So yeah, 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 I'll watch it as well. Uh, I've been watching a lot of 
American Gladiator recently. Nice. Because a friend of mine is way into it. Okay. And the old the old show from like the nineties where they like stand on the thing with the like rock'em sock'ems. Yes. The Q tips, the giant yeah, Q tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's the perfect bar show, by the way. I went to a bar where they were putting where they had old episodes of that on and I was like, why does any bar show not this show? That's a good question. That's actually a really good point. It's a great show. And there was a remake from two thousand eight that they did is oh my god is that what you're rewatching so i watched both of them uh on the original american gladiator one of the guys malibu is actually in mortal Kombat annihilation okay didn't i couldn't tell you who interesting i would have to watch it again uh but malibu on american gladiator is one of the worst characters ever one he's like interesting so i bet he's not i bet he's equally bad in a terrible movie like annihilation well so he would be bad for different reasons he's supposed to be like some surfer bro okay in american gladiator but uh, anyway interesting fun facts though the reason i had never seen or gone out of my way to watch mortal kombat was because i had watched annihilation on like hbo at one point when i was a kid and i was like this is garbage i don't even need to see the first one (laughs) but you do that's what she told me and then i did and i was like oh now i see sometimes sequels are way worse than the first one yeah absolutely typically it's uh first one's good second one's bad third one's good yeah yeah that's true typically Typically. anyway what's your no concessions pick my no concessions pick is very controversial particularly on social media these days my no concessions pick is i fucking love batman v superman dawn of justice I want to maybe Charles picked that one. Oh, really? Maybe. I mean, it's fine if people have the same yeah. choices. Absolutely. But I, I that's a, both of these are Charles tier hot takes. And when he hears this, <laughs> he'll be so excited. Nice. Good. No, especially the the uh, ultimate cut or the director's cut or whatever the fuck they called it. Like, I think it's really cool. That's a movie that's like three hours long. And if you're not up here for it, I. 100% understand. I always call this movie the black licorice of movies. Like, you either love it and don't understand why people hate it, you just know they do, or you hate it and can't even possibly fathom why anyone would enjoy the, enjoy the taste. And I love black licorice and Batman v Superman. Like, it just... I like Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. I think he looks exactly like the Batman the Animated Series. His costume, the Dark Knight Rises, like, fat bat thing with the no briefs... 100% the best live action Batman costume we've ever had and maybe will ever have. Uh, I think Henry Cavill's a great Superman. I think Jesse, I even hotter take, I think Jesse Eisenberg is a fantastic Lex Luthor. This, this is I where you lost that. me. I can't do it. I can't this do it. This has been an inc- a series of increasingly hotter takes. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> First, I, like the I fact framed that you them are that way on purpose. Up Jesse Eisenberg so hard right now. Like, I'm just like, I man. Will, okay. I can't. You ready for the hottest take? I no, think probably not. Jesse Eisenberg's rooftop speech, where he like reveals his plot or his like whole villain plot to Superman, and is like, "I have your mom, so there's nothing you can do about it." That rooftop scene is in my top five do villain this. speeches of all time. Oh, it no. works for there's me. No At, way. Look, if it doesn't work for you, I'm sorry, and I understand. I'm in the minority here. It just clicked with me and it clicked with me in theaters and everyone around me is like, I'm not here for this. And like my roommate and I were both like, 
what are these people talking about? Like we walked out of there and we're like, that was so hype. And we went with a bunch of friends and all our friends were like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, it wasn't. And we just looked at each other. Like, did we watch a different movie than everyone else? Cause from the word jump, I was like the theatrical cut. Okay. Yeah. It's a little weird and stilted and like has some awkward cuts. The director's cut, which is longer is it just, it works for me. I fucking this love that This is the movie. hottest take. This is the hottest this is the take. Hottest this is why take. I went with this. I Good for you. I had to, I have to be honest on the air with you, with Regina, with the studio audience. Like it's, I think it's great. And they're booing and I hope you mute their mic, but no, it's coming in full, full, full volume. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. You know what? Me and Jesse Eisenberg like and my college roommate will all like be really into it. Hottest, no concession take. Because, I mean, we have to die on the hill for it, right? I'm like, that's dying the thing. On the hill f- I'm dying should... on the hill specifically for Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor. You should do, like, I'm a tournament style where, like, no you one just can have top people my hot face take. off on no, takes. No one's going to top my hot take because it's the hottest of takes. Well, I mean, it's spicy. At least I didn't come in here with, like, Jared Leto's Joker. Charles yeah, that's did true. say that, that he was really into Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles. Oh, weird. I haven't yeah. seen that. Hold on. You're uh, one to talk. You're one to talk. You come in here with Dawn of Justice. and I, I watched that movie, and I was like, I was high, and I was like, I'm not high enough. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen that. I, is it bad? Is it's it just good? not good. It's, like, it's I mean, not good. It, and they like, so like it would Shredder's be like a hot take good. to like it? Kind of. Yeah. It's just like, if yeah. you were to watch, it's, it's so. like a very middle of the road Michael Bay movie. I just can't understand, like, how can you be... Or maybe it was the second one he was in. Oh, I didn't see the second one. Well, good. There's two? Yeah, there's two. But, like, the first one, at least... The first one is just such a disappointing use of Shredder as a villain. Like, that was... I was like, if you... I was kind... I'm like, okay. I went in going, I can look past how bad the turtles look if the movie is fun. That's all it has to be is fun. But then it's not that fun... And they also like recast the voices for the turtle. Like they had people do the mocaps for it. And then like af- and they were all the people who did the mocap were supposed to voice the turtles too. But then they got Johnny Knoxville for one of the turtles and they're like, fuck it. We'll just do voiceover for all the turtles. And I'm like, that's fucked up. That's weird. Yeah. And shredder sucks that no, they did mocap for the turtles. Yeah. Yeah. They had actual dudes running around like in these weird shoulder like, rigs. Yeah. That like does, I feel like the real way to do a Ninja Turtles movie is you have them in like, like a, the nineties suits or like a Ben Grimm suit from like the original or like from that fantastic four movie where uh, Michael Chiklis plays the thing, but then you like fix it in post where it make it look better (laughs) and you just do like both. Yeah, Yeah, bro. Like I feel like the, a mix, you just fix it in post. You do a, like a mix of practical and CGI. That's the real way to do the turtles, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's tough because they can't do the wacky shit that turtles do mm. if it's a mix of both. And once you do a hard switch to CG from like a mix of practical and CG, mm. it'll look real fucky. So yeah. if you like, for instance, in the middle of a fight scene, when you have uh, one of the turtles yeah, doing true. like a air a cartwheel with no hands. Because you can't have somebody do that in the suit. Right. It would just be real fucky when it, it switches. Your brain you is going to know. You would know it immediately. Yeah. 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 That's, that's like, true. Oh, what is this? Yeah. So Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe we should just like 
just not do not it. Not make a live action Ninja yeah, Turtles then. Maybe we should just, maybe like, we should just like keep it in animation. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hot takes. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But anyway, Batman v Superman is really good. Uh, unless you think it's not good, in which case you're entitled to your own opinion. I mean, I uh, encourage you to say it with your chest. Uh, Batman v Superman is great, and Jesse Eisenberg rocks, and fuck anyone who disagrees. Is that that's better? That's more like it. There you go. No that's, concessions. Yes, no concessions. Zero. Yeah. My no concessions pick this week is Jackie Chan's Thunderbolt. Okay. I mean, I guess it would be a suite of Jackie Chan movies. It would be Mr. Nice Guy, Rumble in the Bronx, and Thunderbolt. It was these all these movies from the mid-90s. I, look, as many youths <laughs> came up, kung fu movies okay. were the shit. Okay. Jackie Chan was that dude. And back yeah. in the day, there would be these arguments between Jet Li and jackie chan right. as if there was some sort of competition but there wasn't no, no they're sean they're doing their own thing yeah entirely. jackie chan number one he was making the more entertaining movies sure movies digestible for children right yeah thunderbolt Which is was more one important. of those movies it's a racing movie but he like beats the shit out of this like poorly 80 yard australian guy <laughs> it's so rad and there's this like really sick prison break it's one of the movies that i can rewatch constantly because it came out, um, of course, in the 90s. But I caught the awareness of it when I was like in my teens and way into cars. And the the dressing of it being a car movie is literally just like the palette swap that they put on. It's like <laughs> Ken and Ryu in the original Street yeah, Fighter. Yeah. It's a palette swap for every I other Jackie Chan movie so that good. came out in the 90s. Dude, dude I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah. Like, I don't... This sounds great. Like yeah. what? It's, it I love like the, the idea of like ever. the the palette swap is just like switching costumes in an, in a fighting game. It's just like racing. Uh, he's a secret chef agent. In this movie. Chef, awesome. Yeah. He's a cop. This sounds like, great. Yeah. Well, like this sounds like the best movie ever. Dude, yeah. it's good it, movie. It, is good great. I haven't seen. I think I've literally only seen one Jackie Chan movie. He Maybe. fights in a pachinko casino, nice. and yeah. he like he comes through with this mallet from the back of the room, starts smashing up pachinko machines. Yeah, nice. Hell yeah, it's, it's like tight. These Fuck dudes Konami. in these, uh, I agree. Uh, <laughs> these dudes come out in their like little towels because there's a spa in the back, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he proceeds to beat the shit out of these dudes. Awesome. And then he, uh, you can laugh into the mic if you really want People to. People like that. Yes. See, my no, girlfriend has been laughing at me this entire time because I said something funny, but she didn't let anyone else know. No, I didn't. Yeah. Yes. I'm too cool. I'm yeah. back now. I don't laugh. I don't laugh. I'm too I know cool it's very joy, actually. There's this part where he's in the rafters of this thing. Like, it's like this bouncy material, and him and this other guy are fighting on it. Dude, it's so sick. It's so sick. And basically, all the Jackie Chan movies are the same from the 90s, where he's a good guy fighting bad guys. And some of the fight scenes are good. None of them are bad. I've never seen a Jackie Chan movie, at least from the 90s, with a bad fight scene. That's true. That's true. That's why I'm surprised you've only seen one. Like, I've never seen seen any of. Rush Hour? I think I saw... Okay, so I've seen The Tuxedo. That's one, right? Where he gets like a magic suit? Yes. Okay, so I've seen that one. And I think I've seen that one twice. (laughs) Okay. And then I've also seen Rush Hour 2 only. And I don't don't even know what happened. Did you see Shanghai Nights? No. Oh, what? No. Doing so bad, but good. Yeah, no, I just like... Kung Fu movies were like I always had Growing up I was like I always had friends Who were into Kung Fu movies And I'm like Oh we should watch one And then we go to their house And then pick not a Kung Fu movie Just one of those things Yeah I think 
for me, Jet Li was like my kung fu movie star pick. But he played more, to Denzel's point, he played like way more like serious roles. Mm-hmm. And so Jackie Chan was like the goat choice because he appealed to a wide variety of American sure. families. Sure. The yeah. first Jet Li movie I ever saw was The Mummy 3. Yeah. Damn, how old are you? <laughs> no, I just didn't grow up with them. I oh. watched The Mummy 3 like on ran, on cable at one point. Jesus. No, I just didn't grow up with them. What's yeah? They like happened around me, and I never, I just, I just missed them. Unfortunately, I feel like he filmed a bunch of random shit in like Australia and then in China, of course, and maybe New Zealand or something. Because you get a lot of movies with him just running around with people with thick accents, yeah, Mm -hmm. and they'll say they'll start talking. It's like, what the, where the fuck are you from? Mm -hmm. And Rumble in the Bronx is for sure not filmed in the Bronx. And are you kidding? If, he, he's like one of the biggest action stars in the world. He's not, they're not getting him in the Bronx. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident that was largely filmed in Australia. Okay. Also, Jackie Chan does a lot of his own stunts. Right. In Thunderbolt, the, the stunts are more muted. Like They're not like big, gigantic things, but they're still pretty fucking good. Yeah. I've got to check this out. Yeah, what was that one he just came it. out with like last year or the, the year before? Foreigner. Was it good? No. Oh, that's disappointing. He speaks English in it. If you want to see him speak English, you know, it, I, that's not the part I'm looking for. It's uh, what what upsets me specifically about Jackie Chan is that he is one of those actors that literally is like, I can't be the bad guy in any of my movies. Right. So he's got that written into a bunch of his contracts. Right. And in The Foreigner, it's obvious that he's the bad guy. But the way that they subvert uh, the whole contractual thing that he had going was that it turns out that Pierce Brosnan was corrupt the whole time. So uh, Jackie Chan was justified in doing what he did. Interesting. Whereas like any normal person would look at that situation and be like, regardless of whether or not you knew he was or whether or not you thought or you suspected or wanted him to be corrupt, like, you're fucking psycho. Like, sure. if you didn't have hard evidence of him being corrupt, and you just on a whim were like, yo, Pierce Brosnan, I'm gonna fuck you up because you didn't find who killed my daughter in this bombing, because the IRA mm-hmm. comes back and... Uh, the, I, Pierce, what, this is... So, he's just trying to recapture the 90s. Uh, no. This this movie's more dour than okay. that. He <clears throat> uses guns in it, too. There's, Interesting. There's gunplay. Jackie Chan and gunplay. It that seems weird. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes, like, all the right things, like, all the right ingredients don't add up to a good movie, like, like The Expendables. The Expendables was bad. It was bad. But, like, the idea of an action movie that takes all the biggest action stars and puts them together in, like, an Avengers-style team-up movie is a good idea. Yeah. Objectively. I think what the issue with The Expendables was, was it was old guys trying to save their career. Absolutely. Yeah. That was definitely the problem. And also that none of them get along, and that they were all... It was Stallone's idea, but Stallone himself won't let his ego, like, get out of the way and, like, let other people share the, the spotlight. So he's like, oh, we'll make this movie... But I'll still be the hero. But like, that's awful. Stallone, yeah, you're supposed to like all you're be supposed the hero, to all be the whatever. hero, or it's not worth doing at all. Like, exactly. I do really like that one scene with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he's like, "Oh, what's he so upset about? Oh, he just wants to be president." I do still think about that scene and laugh about it because that's a that one scene is really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All with right. that said, that's our episode. Thank you, Ben and Regina, for joining us. Either of you want to plug into your stuff? 
go for it. All right, yeah. So you can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at BH Pit. I also have my own film podcast called uh, Best Choice Video Podcast. That's going to be dropping soon. We're getting a couple episodes in the can uh, before we post, but you can follow us on Twitter for all your updates at BCV Podcast on Twitter. Hopefully we don't have to go back and redact that. Hopefully that's allowed. Yeah, no, I'm sure we're fine. I, I think Supreme Decision Video. That was that was my name choice. <laughs> yeah, Just that was pretty good. Me. Supreme or name. Large Option Video. <laughs> that was pretty good, too. All right. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll catch you, cool cats, on the other side later. Tubes later. Bye.